Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Somehow still not the dumbest intro I've done for you guys. Give it up for your hosts, me, Michael Kroll, and DT Carol. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, 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 do. We'll see you back for the next week. Yeah, we're done for next week. Yeah, that was. Sorry. Here's Alex. Yeah, here's Alex. No, I figured since we're doing a we're doing a Twin Peaks themed episode um, mm-hmm. this week, might as well start off with the theme music. Yeah, you know why not? Right? It's it's a, it's an iconic theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know why not, right? Well, here's uh, so those of you just joining us, uh, or everyone would be just joining us, we started the podcast. But um, you know, as we talked about last week, we're starting to shift more into uh, different different avenues other than football, just sports, because uh, football. Well, if you're a Cardinals fan, football just ended. You know, mm-hmm. actually, it ended in week six, but you know, never mind. Yeah. Um, but you know, so why not? Why not talk about other things, especially the playoff picture this week is kind of grim we'll get at that in the second segment but uh so what i do is i text i i um i am ex- i'm a big fan of uh, the tv show twin peaks um and i think that was the uh the, i hit it, it hit me at the right age i was i don't know i think i was 16 and 91 when it came out 1991 it was a big it was a big thing and uh, so i kind of got into it and they were and the showtime is doing season three this year and it was a big it was a big announcement right I, you, you know dt you've never saw the show right no, I was seven years old when the show first aired, so yeah, uh, I, I was just too young for it. Right? I, yeah, yeah. Well, shit, man. Some of the stuff I saw on that show, I'm still <laughs> it stays with his day. I think I'm a bit too young for it. But uh, but you know, when they announced it, when they announced season three, everyone got really excited because David Lynch is coming back. They're like, because they're basically jumping, they're redoing, they're they're answering all the questions of the show. They're you know another mm-hmm. season of a show that happened like 25 years ago. Right. So I watched the pilot, and I thought it'd be interesting to see uh, to get talk about today this week because you know DT has never seen the pilot. DT has never seen any of the show. It was my very first time ever seeing an episode of Twin Peaks in preparation for this podcast. Right. So he did his homework, and uh, so you know it's uh, thought it'd be kind of cool to see what like you know what what a person completely fresh to it would say, especially someone who didn't like you know it wasn't part of their mythology growing up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know you kind of you had you I don't know if you even know anything about the show. Or had any uh, I knew of it. I knew, you know, it was it was David Lynch. Um, I've seen yeah. David Lynch movies since. Know all about him. Uh, I knew the thing about Laura Palmer. Just vague, you know, pop culture rumblings here and there. Um, there's been a few memes and whatnot. So yeah, I, I've got a, a vague awareness of, of what it is, and what it was about. A so. vague awareness. Right. Right. But you didn't know anything about the show. You didn't know the characters. You didn't. No. <laughs> okay. 
So, uh, what was your first impression of the of the pilot? Um, I I, I was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I I knew what I was getting myself into. Like I said, I'm familiar with David Lynch. Um, what I knew of the show is that it's it's very overly melodramatic, like uh-huh. like purposefully so. Um, the thing that kept sticking with me was the fact that this was a show that probably should not have had a mainstream audience, but found a mainstream audience for the two years it was on the air because it was on a major network. Um, it's so almost satirical in its delivery and its production. Mm-hmm. And it was really offsetting for me. Like I'm a fan of, of like campy stuff, but not stuff that's like deliberately campy. Like to me, it just felt like David Lynch was playing a joke on everybody who watched this show. <laughs> and he yeah. was just kind of laughing at everybody who really actually took it seriously. Cause it doesn't, Strike me as something that's supposed to have been taken seriously, but so many people were just invested in this this mystery over Laura Palmer. Well, that's a, <laughs> by the way, it's so weird hearing you say Palmer and not be talking about Carson. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying about that. I mean, the first episode, the pilot episode, was really over the top, and it's really grating. It's it's. I mean, I can take like a certain level of melodrama or overacting just for the sake of. You know, you're establishing talking about, a theme, or you're talking hmm? about Laura's mom in particular, right? Laura's mom in particular was pretty terrible. Uh, everyone else in the show was pretty bad too. Like it was way over the top. Like it went beyond like like surrealism into almost like parody. I felt like it was off-putting. Yeah, it almost felt like camp to you. Yeah, but but like deliberate camp. Like for me, like the type of camp I enjoy is like an old, <clears throat> excuse me, like an old fifties or sixties movie that. Like I just recently watched um, Robinson Crusoe on Mars again, which is brilliant. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's on Netflix Instant. Okay, just something that that was made in earnest and trying to make something sincere, but just despite its best efforts, it's just silly as fuck. Whereas this this pilot episode of Twin Peaks felt like David Lynch was just putting on airs and just trying to mess with everybody and just make something that was deliberately campy and it's disingenuous feeling to me. So I don't know. Maybe maybe the feeling kind of turns into something more for the show as it as it evolves and becomes more during the first season. But for me, I was just like, dude, like David Lynch, what the fuck are you doing? Like this is like vintage, like David Lynch. Like this is what he does. This is what he's always done. He's always been that kind of you know, kind of sees himself as I think above his audience, and he kind of downplays to them and kind of condescends to them. And I felt like that's what this show was. Like it was a joke that he was just putting on everybody else. And he was just laughing when everybody didn't get the punchline. That's interesting to me because, um, you know, yeah. So some of the stuff kind of, kind of graded on me too. Like I watched the pilot uh, about a week, a week ago, cause they have them all mm-hmm. on showtime now in preparation for the new series. Right. And you know, yeah, the Laura's mom stuff is kind of, kind of bugged me, but I don't know. Like it was kind of, I didn't, I get it. It did. It didn't grade on me. I guess the way it did with you. Cause I enjoyed yeah, I enjoyed the, the there was there was some there was some stuff that's really precious, right? You know, like the the doctor, the two different color uh, glasses and whatnot. Right. Um, you know, but I like you know there's some I like the characters that kind of grounded the effort. You know, I mean they're like it's a David Lynch movie or David Lynch series, so there's always gonna be like a hyper sense hyper sense of reality. Right. You know, right. people are not gonna be acting entirely grounded, and there's also the kind of manner of speaking. You know, the whole just plain folks thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the uh, the the uh, gas station guy Ed. You know, he's in a good example of that just you know trying to be the salt of the earth kind of small town people. And I think part of that they wanted to show that there's this kind of like you know what you'd consider like you know mainstream USA, not even Main Street USA, but like 
you know, those little small t- outside of towns. Like, you know, it reminded me a lot of uh, Twin Peaks reminded me a lot of Globe, actually. Have you ever been to Globe in Arizona? Oh, yeah. 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 Globe, that just sucks, man. Especially Globe in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Whatever reason, I spent an enormous amount of time in Globe in the 90s. And I, I just, I can't. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So, but they kind of wanted to show before the really, the real surreal stuff happened because. You know, well, you didn't get into this in the pilot, though, but it, the whole the whole show kind of goes off like a weird occult kind of a demonic thing for a while. Right. Yeah. Which, uh, again, part of my knowledge of the show going into it prior to seeing the pilot was that, you know, a lot of it is very surrealistic. Uh, there's a lot of like super offbeat humor. Like it gets really like trippy as it goes on. So. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff that appealed to me. You know, okay. the actual the mystery itself is kind of interesting. I mean. You know, but as as the show goes on, and it's interesting. You said like the the uh, they said you said that it found an audience. And you weren't sure why. Well, I can assure you that in the second season, the audience started going away in droves. Yeah, so, I heard that once they kind of wrapped up the uh, the Laura Palmer mystery over who killed her, like the show just kind of went off the rails, and David Lynch just or nobody in general had any plan for the show beyond that point, and it just kind of meandered and just kind of dissolved into just. A, kind of a mess, just like a bizarre thing that just kind of needed to be canceled. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what happened was, uh, you know, the, the ratings started dropping, mm-hmm. and they were like, well, you need to do something with the ra- the ratings are, you know, going away, so you probably should fix that. Why don't you tell <laughs> us who the killer is? And Lynch and uh, Frost and Lynch were like, well, you know, we kind of didn't really want to do that. Because that's the central mystery of the show, right? Who killed right. Laura Palmer? Once you figure that out, what the hell? Why are you sticking it's, around? Right, know. exactly. So they figured, and they they showed who did that, and I don't, I don't know. We might continue on with this thing. <laughs> I might make you watch more episodes and talk about it, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't want to necessarily spoil it. But uh, no, I'll tell you that you know the melodrama was kind of irritating, but the show delivered a lot of freakiness, right? Okay. A lot of surrealist imagery and a lot of things that are really, in fact, still frighten me today. You know, there's a scene in a hotel room in the second season where uh, the boogeyman figure, this uh, demonic guy named Bob, shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And he pops up uh, from behind a bed. That's the thing about Bob. He just pops up places, right? And it's <laughs> scarier than shit because he's like this weird, like, you know, wavy, gravy-looking, like, hip, hippie, walking dude kind of Stephen King uh, antagonist. Okay, I know and, exactly what you mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's like wearing a denim jacket, a greasy hair, and he just pops up, and he starts talking to, to Agent Cooper. And every time I'm in a hotel room now, dude, by myself, I, I, I flash that scene. I saw that in 1991, <laughs> and it still freaks me out. Yeah. And that's that's some powerful shit, you know? But you didn't get yeah. any of that in the pilot. No, I, like I said, like I, I'm, I'm fully aware that the rest of the show is probably nothing like the pilot, but the pilot was just not a good kickoff for for what this show you know I, i'm led to believe becomes so did you like anything about the pilot um comic lockin was hilarious he was really <laughs> good at the show uh sherilyn fenn was fucking smoldering hot in that show way back in the 90s yeah they, they, uh, did, her, they did her hair a little better um in the subsequent seasons yeah right? well i, I kind of like the uh the bob the, but the bob cut but yeah, hope she was like of age back then because I feel creepy. Oh, yeah. if it's like fifteen years old. All right, cool. <laughs> no, she's of age. She was. Uh, she actually one of her one of her, her film debut actually for people who are interested who are in Phoenix was mm-hmm. a movie called uh, Just One of the Guys. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And they filmed that in Phoenix. Right. They yeah. filmed a lot of shit in Phoenix. Um, oh, shit, the, uh, the mall in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, yeah. This Metro Center in in Central Phoenix. Oh yeah, there's all sorts. Yeah, they, they filmed in Circle K. They filmed, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. They went to Golfland. Um, 
Waterloo was at Golfland yeah. Sunsplash. Yeah, especially when it oh, wasn't, wasn't even Sunsplashing, dude. It's just golf. No, yeah, way back when, yeah. Yeah, they, had, they just had three slides, two bonsai slides. They uh, they had to put padding on because kids kept getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever, yeah, you were too young for that because that was a uh, they changed that over in '86, uh, <laughs> and I remember went down the bonsai slides in '85 because you know why, why wouldn't I? And right. I remember like because they, they just make you go down head first because I think they changed the angle too. They were much steeper, and you feel you felt your legs kind of coming up. <laughs> and that, that's like some scary shit. I mean, of course, those are the sides that teenagers went on all the time. Right. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's a total minutiae trivia for people who, who grew up in <laughs> Phoenix in the 80s. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The thing we're talking about now is Twin Peaks. And apparently the consensus is that you thought it sucked. You liked Kyle McLaughlin. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I thought it was good. I thought uh, I thought the, the imagery is good. Uh, the, the, the thing about the, it's killing me now is the music is way too um, precious. It's too fey now you know yeah there's there's just the theme throughout the entire pilot like anytime something sad or anything related to laura palmer comes up it's that really like bassy repetitive yeah yeah it's everything about that show is just it's built on the foundation of just being as absolutely melodramatic and silly as possible which on one hand i appreciate the fact that they were committed to it even though it didn't work for me it felt like um I was actually thinking about this earlier today, and if I had to compare the show to some other sort of pop culture phenomenon, it'd be like the B-52s, the band. Yeah. Because it's so committed to being campy and deliberately so, and it it found a niche audience because of that. And you can tell there's a craftsmanship there. Mm -hmm. And whether you like it or not is not because it's not well made. It's just a matter of taste. Like, again, I can see the reasons why people love the show from the beginning, why people love the B-52s. But for me, it's – again, it just feels disingenuous because you can see right through the fa- facade, like right what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And it works for them. It's successful. It's profitable. It's it's still wildly successful. You know, They still sell out shows, and people are excited about this show coming back after 25 years. So I get it, but my own tastes and sensibilities just push me away from both of those things. It's interesting, though, because I didn't – normally I'm, I'm, I'm with you, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I actually came on board. My friend Heather brought over um, – uh, she – Taped, this is how old it was. She taped it off uh, off, the, off the network, and we watched the season premiere of season two, mm-hmm. right? And that, that that was some spooky stuff was happening to me. I was always into the spooky stuff. Like if I I didn't start the show and watch it throughout. I had to go work my way backwards. In fact, I didn't see the pilot. I think until like a couple years after I'd seen after the show concluded. Oh well, because it was mm-hmm. hard to find the pilot. So you know, you start watching the show and they kind of they kind of fixed a few things. But you know, I, I wonder like. Because the 90s, you know, it was a weird time because we weren't really into earnest feelings. You know what I mean? Right. And Everything I, was a little over the top and silly and goofy well, in the 90s. Well, I not say silly. It was all very, it was all very, de- like, very serious. Right. But it wasn't like, you know, you think of, like, really earnest time periods. Like, I would say this this year is kind of, or this, you know, the millennials are kind of more earnest than, than my generation was. And I don't for some reason, I guess, you know, there are a lot of millennials that do like Twin Peaks. But I don't know why... Something that's so transparently over the top grabs so many people. Yeah, you know, so I don't understand why, why, why. I don't know. I think maybe not to not to you know take away from the show, but just the fact that there were fewer options in the '90s. And again, this was something that was on a major network. I think it was on ABC. Is that ABC? Yeah. Yeah, it was something that you know wasn't necessarily made for mainstream, but because it was a on a, a big network, it's kind of the same reason why people watch shit like America's Funniest Home Videos because well, you know, there was. 
With, no, I'm not comparing the two. No, I'm no, no. Saying, I'm not you are, but you know, '91 we had cable. We had a lot of channels. It wasn't like wasn't like you know the, the '60s when the you know the Beatles were popular because they're like they're two rock bands of the whole world. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but at the same time, like cable wasn't necessarily mainstream in 1990. I mean, I remember being young and getting cable for the first time and being amped about you know like the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and shit. But uh, it's still – it's not like today where you can binge watch something on Netflix or you can pick and choose what you consume. Like if you were at home on the night that Twin Peaks was on and you had you know 12 channels or whatever, you'd watch Twin Peaks. And I think that's how the show got the mainstream following because it was on that mainstream network and people watched it because that's what there was to watch. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that argument. I mean there, there was still plenty of choice. There was still a lot of uh, – <laughs> you know, a lot of um... – the, the the audience was still uh wasn't as it was it wasn't as divided today but it was divided mm-hmm. you okay. know so yeah, I mean I I guess you're right to a certain degree and I I think maybe it wasn't um it was also like the the central mystery is kind of interesting too because you, you have this quirky little town I mean if you think about it right a lot of a lot of TV shows kind of took what Twin Peaks did the quirky setting and kind of done done it since then so it's almost become like a cliche now right oh, yeah. yeah so maybe you know, if we take put our anthropologist hat on, we should examine at the time this was happening. I mean, no one had seen a town like that. You know, now they've done it like uh, they've done it like nor- I guess uh, nor- northern. Uh, what was that show? The the, the other one's kind of set in uh, a northern exposure. Or, northern exposure, right? Although mm-hmm. that wasn't that was a surreal. It wasn't as violent and dark. But right. it had you know, it was a quirky town in the northwest. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd done that before. They'd done that again. You know, right. and they've done like mystery shows. So this is kind of a, you know, became a kind of a cultural zeitgeist. And I think that's probably why the ratings failed, too, because, you know, a zeitgeist can only last so long. Right. It's a flash in a pan thing. It's not meant to last. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the producer Twin Peaks thought it would last and they try to not reveal the killer. But then you have this mystery only incrementally being solved. It's like maybe it might have worked better if it was like an eight eight person eight uh, episode miniseries like uh, like True Detectives was. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, then you can kind of keep the intent, you ratchet up the intensity, and still keep people's interest. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it working as as an anthology series where you know everything with Laura Palmer was the first season, everything with Agent Cooper was you know contained. Then you move on to like another town where some other weird shit happens. You can keep going that with that for for years, you know, without having to worry about ruining the series once the mystery had been solved. Well, they tried to do that with True Detective, and and that you got season two with Carl, Colin, uh, Colin Farrell, and <laughs> going on a cocaine binge and yeah. putting together models with this kid. <laughs> that season two sucked, man. That was awful. <laughs> Did you see season two, True Detective? No, I didn't see season one. I uh, you what didn't is see it? season on, one. Is that an HBO or Showtime? Or it's an HBO, it on? man. Yeah, I don't have HBO. Yeah, dude, you guys see True Detective season one. I've heard it's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my HBO Go password. We can talk about that sometime. All right, I'm down for that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this okay. So the so the verdict: Twin Peaks pilot DT didn't like it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of gonna in... give it another chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it another couple of episodes and see okay. if it kind of falls into a rhythm with me. And I kind of you know, like I said, I get it. I uh-huh. just it just doesn't work for me. So okay, watch I can at see least it being good. It's just not working for me. Watch at least up to episode like through episode two. Okay. Because two is when the sort of the spooky weird shit starts happening, which which kind of pique people's interest. Okay. Yeah, in between listening to Soundgarden and Alice in Chains back then, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up, and we'll um, we'll uh, bring on Alex. We'll do her. She'll do her segment, and then we will uh, talk about football next segment. So, people who are listening to us for the pop culture, the Twin Peaks crap, you can go ahead and turn this off. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want to stick around for sports stuff, well, then uh, that's great too. All right, we'll, we'll see you after this. Hey, everybody, it's comedian Alexandria Love here with your 60 second poker pop. Let's pop that sad little balloon, shall we? Trump's inauguration is right around the corner, and to no one's surprise, not many people want to perform. Trump's camp is saying, hey, this isn't Woodstock. They're right, but can you imagine an alt-right music festival featuring Chance the Rapper's cousin, Charles the Racist, Betty Wap's country cousin, Betty Wap it up because abortion's illegal now, and Adele playing only her hit song, Set Fire to the Burning Cross of Your Lawn. Also, this features Beyonce, but only if she promises to quote-unquote transcend race. Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White, has been taking flack recently for denying the Trinity, adultery, and fun allocation. This just in, you totally stopped listening to everything I said after I said the phrase, Donald Trump's spiritual advisor. Wow. Trump is one flower crown and a Coachella ticket away from being a textbook basic bitch. Although, I do find it funny that people are so surprised that Trump's spiritual advisor is as loony and evil as Trump is. I'd say that if Trump was Baltimore, uh, Paula White is obviously Dolores Umbridge, but we all know that that spot has been taken by the lovely Kellyanne Conway. Coachella is right around the corner, so this weekend will be the quietest San Francisco has been since the moments right after the 89 earthquake, or at least AT&T Park last October. Tickets are through the roof at almost $500 for a three-day pass. But there are payment plans, so expect your barista to be extra eye-rolling for the next three months. Megan Kelly is officially leaving Fox News in favor of NBC News. It's probably a good move for her. The last thing a young woman needs in her career is to be associated with racism, bigotry, and ignorance. In other news, Ivanka Trump and her husband have been confirmed to play major roles in President-elect Trump's administration. More on that as it develops, but I highly doubt it will. Five dead and more wounded after a gunman attack at Fort Lauderdale Airport in Florida. Apparently, the gunman had a rifle declared and checked in with his luggage. That's like if your husband came home and says, Hey, honey, meet my new prostitute, Susan, but don't worry about me having sex with her. I'm going to keep her in my suitcase. I just wanted to declare her so that you know that she's here. You're not allowed to be all surprised when you eventually get genital warts. I do feel hurt for all the people that got hurt and died. Personally, uh, those are my two biggest fears, dying in an airport and dying in an airport in Florida. Fisher Price just announced that they'll be releasing exercise bikes for toddlers as young as two years old, which as a former babysitter seems like a godsend for tiring out kids. I'd make him do CrossFit if it meant that nap time came a little bit sooner. But I feel like it's just another way to perpetuate body shaming for young kids. You gotta remember, little ones, you'll never be as sexy as that little girl on Doc McStuffins. And that's just the way it is. That's been your 60 seconds. It's still your culture pop. Now back to these assholes. And that was Alex. I will do the Twin Peaks thing again. That was a one-time deal. Yes, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, uh, okay, DT does like Twin Peaks, but DT does like sports. I do like sports. We'll talk about some sports. we got to do our rapid-fire questions. You want to start out the segment with those? Yeah, why not? All right, let's do it. Yeah, let's, uh, you know, we'll do it. Yeah, we, we, we can do whatever we want on this podcast, you know? Yeah. Our sponsors haven't rebelled yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. By All the right. way, this new Belgian beer is delicious. <laughs> 
I quite enjoy Bridgestone tires. All right. <laughs> they make a good meal. All right. Which will be, okay. So first question, which, yeah. will, which will be the upset this weekend? Uh, you have the Raiders, Texans, Lions, Seahawks, Giants, Packers, and Dolphins, Steelers. Who will be the upset? Because you know one is coming. I'm tempted to say Oakland, just because I hate Brock Osweiler, and I don't think the Houston Texans are for real. Um, but Derek Carr has very much been the heart of the, the Oakland Raiders, and I think him being gone kind of cements the fact that they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. Uh, Detroit's not going to beat Seattle. I think this will be one Seattle's probably one win in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, Miami sure as shit not going to beat Pittsburgh in playoff form and full strength. Uh, if anything, if anything's going to be close and be decided and may, like may, maybe like a field goal or something and be like like an upset, it would probably be the Giants being the Packers. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be my pick too. Um, yeah, because the, the Giants are actually the cornerbacks are playing really well. Uh, mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers is obviously playing out of his mind, so you can never be too sure. I agree with you. I don't think it's not going to be the Lions. It's not going to be the. I mean, I don't know. The Dolphins, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in week six. They did pretty well. It's been a fluky season for the for the Steelers, though. It but he, the Steelers in the playoffs against the Dolphins, like, it's just not going to happen for Miami. I'm sorry. Yeah, they got Matt Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a Tannehill. I mean, that's how Tannehill, bad. Tannehill. Yeah. <laughs> that's how bad it was. <laughs> You're pinning your hopes on Tannehill. Things are going bad. Exactly. But then speaking of which, next question. Just how bad will Connor Cook be this weekend? I feel fucking bad for the kid. Yeah. I mean, even though he's playing against the Houston Texans, which is not, you know, beating them will not be like a Herculean feat. It's just the fact that he is the first rookie, or not rookie, but the first kid to ever make his starting debut in the NFL in the history of the league in the playoffs. That's an enormous amount of pressure. That's a, a just, I can't even imagine what's going through the kid's head right now. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be terrible. I hope he's not terrible. He's going to throw some picks. <laughs> he's going to have the yips. He's going to he's going to be you know pissing himself a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It's he's not a known quantity. We haven't seen him play at all. So aside from the preseason against yeah. you know third stringers, but I don't know. It's really tough to say. He might shock the shit out of everybody. They, I don't think they're going to have a quarterback controversy next season. No, but um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I I don't think he'll be any worse than Brock Osweiler. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it's it's too bad for Connor Cook. I you know, as Cardinals fans, we know what it's like when you go to the playoffs with your third string quarterback. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Yeah, you know, and this is a this isn't a kid that's on the depth chart who could be who who they got to supplant the current quarterback. You know what I mean? This is not like if uh, say Brett Favre went down and Aaron Rodgers picked it up, right? right. Connor Cook is not the future in Oakland. No, he's probably not the future anywhere at this point. No, probably especially not. after what happens this weekend. So, how yeah. long has he been in the league? He's was he drafted this I think year? He was drafted this year. Yeah, so he's a rookie. God, that's fucking brutal. He's a rookie, and uh, yeah, he was drafted this year by Oakland. And you know, Matt McGloing. I mean, Matt McGloing was going to win either. Mm -mm, you know, no. even, I feel so bad for the Raiders. You know, because you know, they are my AFC team. They're my hometown team, mm -hmm. and I feel bad because they had a, such a great season going, and then. What you what you don't want to see happen is is your is your star quarterback go down, right? You know, and and what and they they could probably would have won the division, and they would be hosting a playoff game right now. I think they they absolutely would have won the division if things hadn't happened the way they were or right. the way they did. Absolutely, um, they had a pretty commanding lead of the division up until the end of the season when he got hurt. It was going to come down to them and the Chiefs. Um, if the Broncos had beaten the Chiefs in Week 17, like it beat the Raiders, so. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, no, it's super unfortunate. It's unfortunate, and every, and again, as Cardinals fans, we can tell you that every year is different. So even right. though, but you know, they, they got Carr, and the, once you get your franchise quarterback kind of figured out, things are a little bit different for you. But you you never know. You can't you can't replicate seasons. Right, exactly. It could be a completely different ball game next year. So would, the fact that they did what they did this season, I hope for their sake and for the sake of their fans that it's not a fluke. Like mm-hmm. maybe what happened with the Cardinals last season. Um, I hope they come back. I hope that division's still, you know, really competitive and it doesn't become the Chiefs and the Broncos, you know, show again. <laughs> but uh yeah, you can never tell when you're when your starting quarterback gets hurt like that, that seriously it comes back. I think the Broncos is what his mindset's going to be when he comes back, you know? Oh, he'll, he'll, he's, he's mentally tough. I was watching the inside of the NFL it, um, episode when they, when the, when the injury happened that week mm-hmm. and he was mic'd up and dude broke his foot, right? Or the tibia, it was a fi- tibia, fibula. I think it was his tibia. Yeah. What is that? Is that his foot? Is that his? No, I think it's just, um, his chin. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically his leg, right? Yeah. His leg. And, yeah. Yeah. How he was doing on the ground. It's like, it's broke. It's broke. It's broke. I mean, Holy shit, man. I have never broken a bone. I hope I never do. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you, when I break a bone, I'm not going to be hanging out there going, it's broke. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be really more, a little more aggressive, I guess I should say, with my. Yeah, it's, I, I haven't, I've never broken a major bone, like an arm or a leg, but I've, like, I busted my ankle, I've broken toes, broken fingers. It's, I mean, it, the shock sets in. You don't feel the pain immediately. You know exactly what's happened and what's going on, and you are going to feel the pain. But yeah. in his situation, the fact that he had the adrenaline going and all that type of stuff, like I can see him being calm about it the way he was. I'm sure he was in a world of pain when he got back to the locker room. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they started you know, hitting him up with the, the painkillers right away, got him to the hospital. But, yeah, I mean, um, I booked my ankle skateboarding when I was a kid. And, I, you know, I was skating. I was not, It was my first time ever on a skateboard, so it was humiliating. Oh, that's great. I was skating, hit a rock. The, the the board Those bounced. Fucking and, rocks uh, out there, man. Yeah. Arizona's just fucking full of rocks. It's awful. Yeah. But uh yeah, the board popped out underneath me and I came up with both legs like directly underneath me and basically like just sat down full force on my ankle backwards and it just popped. So Oh my god. <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. That sounds yeah, horrible. Black and blue. I had to wear a cast for a couple of months and but yeah, that immediate thing was like, oh fuck, I broke my ankle. Like it wasn't like, oh my god, I'm in a world of pain. All oh, this is fucking terrible. I was like, oh fuck, I broke my ankle. <laughs> I jacked up so. my knee playing bass in a friend's garage. Ooh, yeah, that uh. was that was bad. I got like a great. Like, it was basically as close as I could get to tearing everything without actually oh. tearing it. It was bad. I was a leg immobilizer for six weeks. I was on crutches. It was. Jesus. It was. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Did you do was, the thing where you uh, you jumped up on the bass drum and then you jumped off and landed wrong? Or like no, no, happened? we were playing and I I felt I felt like my bass was hitting my knee. I was like, oh, that's peculiar. My 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 knee hurts. And then like I fell and like my kneecap was like at a right angle to my leg. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it still hurts when it gets cold. It's bad. Yeah, yeah my ankle still hurts. So is one of my toes. I broke my toe uh, a few years ago and it hurt like hell. So that was the thing where uh, something was going on. I think I was having a fight with my girlfriend at the time. And um, <laughs> she was outside, and I was like – I was going to the kitchen, or I was pissed off. I don't remember what happened. And uh, we had our couch like in the center of the living room, like not up against a wall. Right. So I was walking a- around it to get to the kitchen, and um, I wasn't paying attention, and I kicked the corner of the oh. couch. And I was like, oh, I stubbed my toe. And I looked down, and my toe was literally like a 90-degree angle from the oh. next to the corner. 
Yeah, it was a, a it was a, a spiral fracture and a dislocation. So they had to shoot me up full of painkillers and numb it and like carefully roll it back into place and tape it up and it sucked. So, but yeah, seeing a body part sticking in another direction that it shouldn't be is pretty awful. Yeah, it's traumatic. It, was, it didn't hurt that much. I was just nauseous looking at it. So. God, yeah. I'm getting nauseous thinking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and speaking of nauseous, we have our third rapid-fire question. Okay. As always, these are usually about food, but they also have a right answer. <laughs> They're about food because, like, we, I record this right before I eat dinner, right? Oh, uh, so you're hungry right now. Yeah, I'm hungry, all right? So here's my question, right? Number three, ready? Yep. Thai food or Chinese food? Uh, I like Thai food. Okay, you actually... I, I love both, but I love Thai food. Yeah, I would take Thai food or the other acceptable answer would be both are beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> your you got your your winning streak starts at one. Nice. Next yeah, one. I love uh, like when it's rainy and cold out. Like gong curry is one of my favorite things. It's uh, a curry, like a curry soup yeah. with like chicken and, and potatoes and carrots and uh, and green onions and stuff. It's delicious. Yeah, we make uh, we make our own curries here. They're beautiful. And nice. Yeah, I've made curry before too. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's, it's simple but impressive. We can do it right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about the playoffs. So now we have. So we're saying that that. We, so what are our official picks? We're not writing the column anymore. But what do we think? We think the Raiders going to be Texas? Or, who knows? Right. They, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say Oakland somehow, some way. Really? Gonna say Oakland? Find a, yeah. I'm just. Okay. They're going to be my. They're going to be my hot take this weekend. <laughs> okay. Oakland is going to kick the shit out of Brock Osweiler and just put that final nail in this shitty season that little fuckers had. That's good. He's and not little, by the way. He's like six foot nine or some shit. But yeah, Brock yeah, Osweiler's a big him. guy. Yeah. For you. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Every time I hear big guy, I always think that. For you? Yeah. For baby. you. Well, that was just a terrible movie, Batman, The Dark Knight Returns. I don't think it was terrible. Um, It was a product of the unfortunate circumstances that surrounded the movie before it. I think we would have had a very different third Batman movie if, if Heath Ledger had not died. But... For what it was, they made some odd choices. But um, <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly did not. When they cast Tim uh, Tom Hardy as Bane, I kind of expected like this really sinister, you know, tough, scary motherfucker, which he was. But that voice was just so fucking weird. Like, what was the choice? And at what point did what Chris the- Nolan say, you know what? That's perfect. Let's just go with that weird, whiny, weird, like mash of dialects and accents. Let's just go with that. It's great. Well, I think that the, that was a point of trying to make it. You know that was his choice that he want he wanted a, like a, a slightly goofier voice for such a physical character. Yeah, but so many different ways you could have done that and had it been better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't know. I think that was kind of the best part of it. They they also changed it a little bit too. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the leaked footage from the um, from the when they did the uh, first seven minutes in the, at IMAX. I did, and I liked that way better than the final cut. I did too. They they so did, much better, and they did a comparison between the two. And I don't know. Yeah, the original version is much better. I don't know why they changed it. But yeah, I, it was more bassy and it felt more natural. And it was still a silly voice, but it it worked a little bit better for the character. Yeah. When they went back and they redid like the entire movie, all of his scenes with ADR, like it was, the levels were so much higher than everything else in the movie. It just it just exacerbated the fact that it sounded cartoony. Yeah. Like it was so loud and so overpowering and so silly that it was no longer like a like a nuanced performance. It was just like a fucking cartoon. New, no one has terrible sound design. I mean, I, I don't know if you ever saw Interstellar or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the all the music. It, it was, I was. I felt like I was in a fucking like ELO concert. 
Look at goddamn <laughs> Oregon, you know. It's like, what, yeah. what the hell? What did I go? What did I go see? The lion lies down on Broadway, you know. What's, what the <laughs> fuck, man? I avoid progressive music for a reason. I don't need Oregon to my ear for two hours straight <laughs> of Matt McConaughey warbling on about his daughter. I mean, and I kind of like the movie. Marf, Marf, <laughs> Marf. The only thing Matt McConaughey should do is more True Detective. And the Lincoln commercials. I like the Lincoln commercials. <laughs> They're goofy as fuck, but yeah, I I, I agree. I, I appreciate mean, they're, they're so like lone cowboys is kind of chilling. It's like I was, I had drove Lincolns way before I made <laughs> pay me to drive a Lincoln. Oh, thanks, Matt. Okay, really? I, I just I don't know. It's it's like it's, I must be in the demographic that they're totally going for because I just, I just I'm just they just all work for me, you know. Especially <laughs> the new one with the uh, navigator with the Lincoln Navigator, that kind of that uh, what they call uh, uh, the techno jazz thing. Yeah, I forgot the actual name of the term is the name of the genre, but uh, I love that. That's kind of, that's kind of music I listen to at home, but I'm not <laughs> listening to really aggressive math rock. So yeah, I don't know. I just I, all the commercials just fucking work for me. And I don't know. I don't know what that says about me. You know, those other commercials, car commercials work for me. There's a Subaru commercial about the dog. Have you seen that? No, which one's that? This, this, this lady is talking about how uh, they they open up on a on a German Shepherd. And she's like, yeah, he was the last. I didn't want to adopt, but he was the last one at the shelter. He was all emaciated. And I, I just knew he was the one. And, you know, they I, I chose him. And Subaru was going to donate money to animal charities if he buy their cars and shit. What? Yeah, and, and again, I must be in the demographic they're going for. I'm like, this is amazing. I want to go buy Subaru right now. You know, I want to go buy dogs. <laughs> uh, so, can you imagine if Matt McConaughey does like an animal rescue commercial? I just, oh my god, I just yeah. sign over my my bank account. Is like, here, take it. Yeah, help the dogs, Matt McConaughey, and do more. All right, all right, all right. Anyway, all right. So you know what car commercial I fucking hate, and what, everybody else does. So I'm not really that? original by saying this. That fucking Toyota Corolla commercial with the "You Don't Own Me" song. Oh well, yeah. On the, the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Yeah. Where fucking girls are like driving down the highway and they're like screaming and yelling along with the song and singing and they're weaving into oncoming traffic, and the fucking car corrects it for them. Like, you've officially made a commercial that that justifies people driving badly because the car will fix things for you. Yeah. It's not smart. That. No, it's not smart at all. It's fucking terrible. You, and you, it's a fucking awful song. And it, it's you know just... what's great about that song is that the lyrics continue. And she's basically asking him to let her be. Her, that's, this isn't a female empowerment song where the woman's asking the man to let her be herself. It's like one of those, you know, if you can't handle me at my worst, you can't handle me at my best type of bullshit things. That... No, it's just you shouldn't ask permission. Just fucking do it. You oh, don't man. owe me. The end of the song. Done. It's like a napalm death song. Like 30 seconds, <laughs> 10 seconds long. You don't know me, boom. Okay, done. <laughs> you know, that's that's an empowerment message. Not like, you know, you don't owe me. Just let me be myself. I mean, you don't have to ask permission to be yourself. Right. Maybe you should. I don't know. I don't know this person. Maybe she's I a, mean, if, if you're in a relationship where you need to ask permission, you shouldn't be in that relationship anyway. You shouldn't be writing a song telling that guy off. You should just fucking leave. I, I agree. Do you hear about that song? Um, uh, I forgot. I think the... One of those like uh, female uh, doo-wop groups did it, or or was going to do it. Like, the ones like kind of um, ones from the fifties and sixties, you know, like, with the uh, soulful black black singers, mm-hmm. um, like the Supremes or somebody. Yeah, it was like the Supremes, but it wasn't the Supremes. Okay, but um, she brought in a, a song she wrote for a boyfriend called "He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss," 
<laughs> and uh, she was she was being serious, right. right? This is like, and you read the lyrics to that whole another like you know various female like rock bands have covered it over the years, and you read the lyrics are really fucking creepy, mm. and they're all sincerity. Yeah, here let me, let me pull up the lyrics real quick. This because we're doing radio. Why not go to something visual? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the crystals. That's what I thought it was. The crystals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He hit me and I feel like a kiss. He hit me, but it didn't hurt me. He couldn't stand to hear me say that I'd been with someone new when I told him that I had been untrue. It's like, whoa. Damn. Yeah. She's dark as fuck. Yeah, I know. She was, they're supposed to be a love song. <laughs> Ooh, did uh, did they like get her some counseling or something when she brought that song to the group? Like, no, no. I think that. I think they they definitely recorded it because it's, well yeah they just recorded the song over there because yeah but nobody kind of raised an eyebrow or asked any questions about where she got the lyrics. To that I, song? I think so. I mean you know I would hope so. It says on Wikipedia, uh, Phil Spector made it um like tried to make it like ominous sounding. One I don't think I've actually heard the original version. I should check that out. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess spiritualized it a cover of it or recorded a song called She Kissed Me and It Felt Like a Hit. I'm like, Great. Thanks, Spiritualized. You, you, know, <laughs> you were listening to Spiritualized? No. Yeah, they're like, my friend John is really into them. And I have no idea why. Like, they're like these, they released a CD rent of a, of a, of a, the entire CD was filled with music. Mm-hmm. And there's only four songs. It's like a concept album type of thing. Yeah, or? and it's really, really slow. Uh. And like, it's kind of ambient. Yeah, it's just, man, I don't know. Guys, I need, I need, if you're going to be a, be a rock band, be a rock band. Yeah. But then again, you got people like Brian Eno and whatnot. But anyway. Yeah. Well, okay, so football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're seeing uh, Texans or Raiders over Texans, uh, Steelers mm-hmm. over Dolphins, uh, Giants over, over Packers or Packers over Giants? Uh, honestly, like I said, if I had to pick an upset, it would be the Giants being the Packers. I think the Packers are ultimately going to win. I think it'd be more interesting if the Giants won, but I think Packers are going to win, and I think Seattle's going to just beat Detroit. Like, yeah, I, th- I don't, I don't see that happening. As scrappy as that team has been, as good as Stafford's been this season, I don't see Stafford standing up very well against that defense, even without Earl Thomas. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's really interesting to me how Earl Thomas just was the linchpin of that defense. Oh yeah, yeah. I just you know you normally don't see at one like something like, it was almost like nine day, you know. Yeah. Lost Earl Thomas, all of a sudden the whole defense just falls to shit. I don't get it. Yeah, no, dude's amazing. He's a great, tremendous athlete, but he's I, also like the like the beating heart of that defense too. I guess so. I mean, but you would think with like, with people like their linebacking core and uh, Michael Ben on the edge, I mean they could get a pass rush. I mean, you know, Bennett's an amazing player, but he's not he's not that guy who's gonna like you know lead the charge out of the locker room. He's not going to lead the team out of the tunnel. Right. Like, you know, but what I'm saying, Thomas is. Yeah, so. I guess, I guess so. Well, he'll be back next year. He broke his leg, but will he be yeah. the same player and camp and camp chancellor's having problems. I mean, yeah, you could, you could see that, you know, Michael Bennett's a year older. You could see that team kind of falling apart soon. At least, at least think, falling, falling back to earth, I guess is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. We kind of saw that, you know, the last couple of seasons, you know, after their last Super Bowl run, the team is kind of, well, they hadn't spent any money in the offensive line, right? Exactly. And, and they have we have more years of, uh, of of Russell Wilson on tape, right? You know, if you if you actually contain him in the pocket, which you know, admittedly, is not easy to do, you, you've they, their offense can't do crap, right? Exactly. So, yeah. 
Well, anyway, we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I guess I should wrap it up for this week because we, uh, you know, did two 20 minute segments. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. Do a tight 40. <laughs> tight 40 minute <laughs> podcast. All right. As always, I'm B. Michael Crawls, DT Carroll. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with even more bizarre tangents about pop culture minutia and trivia. So, yeah, tell your friends. All right. See you guys. <laughs>